uh, we are in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. So if you have a Bible, turn with me there. If you don't, slip your hands up. The ushers can give you one to look at as well. Feel free to um, take a electronic device and look at it there if you need to, as long as you're not checking your fantasy football or something else. Um, uh, this, is, this has been something, we're actually at our halfway mark through the book of Psalm right now, and I'm excited about it because we've been working our way, and I actually, we have the, the reading plans that we've been encouraging you guys to go through. We challenge you guys to, to read through either the entirety of the book of Psalms for the 14 weeks that we were in this, or um, to read through this Psalm 119 through the time we are in this. And I understand that sometimes schedules, or if you have other reading plans, one may, may make sense to the other. I did have someone say as a joke that they didn't, they're doing the right plan, but only because they're showing up to church every week. First off, that's not the right way to do it. Secondly, who really shows up to church every week? Okay, let's be honest about that. So, so I would encourage you to read and, and jump in and, and join us in reading that and, and being a part of this. Because again, the purpose and the hope and the intent of this series was that as we grow in our maturity with the Lord, that you would also fall in love with the scripture, the word of God, that you'd fall in love with what he is saying to us through his scriptures that he has, he has retained and saved for us. And so um, this is where we are. Before we, before we get in there, um, do you ever wish that you could be more faithful? Have you ever thought like, man, if I, could just, if I could just do this a little bit more, or if I could be a little bit more solid in this way, maybe it's, it's something that you keep wrestling with, a sin or struggle in your life where you're like, I know I keep saying I'm not going to do it, but I can't find the strength to really get there. I keep falling into this. I keep trying, and I set up this. I do accountability, and I, 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 I do all these certain things. I just can't really seem to get right through it. Maybe some of you, it's like, I can't, I can't stop looking at that computer screen. I can't stop taking in that substance. I can't stop doing this with this relationship that I know God's word says differently. Whatever it is, like my, my, my bet and my assumption is that all of us have something that we're wrestling with, something that we're struggling with, something that God is, is, is trying to purge from us to make us more like him. Well, one of the really beautiful things about the Bible and, and specifically teaching through it is that a lot of times we come to certain scriptures that speak specifically at something that we are all wrestling with. And I think that's today's text. I think that we can actually look at this text and get a fairly prescriptive way on how you and I are to do and to go through in life when it comes to those situations, those struggles, that, that feeling of faithlessness, the wrestling that we have to be more faithful. I think actually in this scripture, we actually see that. And again, we've been doing this book of Psalm in, in, a, in a very specific structure. I would encourage you to go back to listen to that. I don't have time to do it, but, but this stands of the first eight verses that we read in verse 33, and then the, the other ones really play together in a beautiful way. So let's read real quickly Psalm 119, verse 33, and then we'll go to 140, or 137. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. And then over to... Verse 137, righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. 
I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. At the beginning of this psalm, in verse 33, we see a rhythm that actually changed this very much for me because as I first looked at this, I thought this was just kind of God's ways, which is specifically this first stanza talks how good God's ways are, but there's something that happens in this first eight verses that we have here today that is, is, is awesome and profound and beautiful for us, specifically for those of us that continue to wrestle with the same thing in our life. We find ourselves hitting that wall of, of, of I can't seem to break through this. I can't, I can't seem to find the strength to do what needs to be done. We see this fairly prescriptive way on how we are to take those things by what the psalmist does in this first group of scripture. See, we, we know that the structure is so that each of the eight verses is a, is a, a Hebrew alphabet letter. It's a Hebrew letter that's in place and that each, of, each, each verse in that great group of eight starts with that actual letter. And so the author is somewhat confined to a very specific structure and it was set in place to be memorized. But the structure that comes out in this is, is just awesome. What he does here is we see this specifically in their first verse 33. The first thing we see is he says, teach me. Verse 34, the beginning is, give me. Verse 35, lead me. Verse 36, incline my heart. Verse 37, turn my eyes. You see, seen a theme here? Verse 38, confirm to your servant, confirm to me. Verse 39, turn away the reproach. And then verse 40 is the first time that we see the psalmist say something that he does. Behold, I long for your precepts. I long for your word. I long for your truth. So we see a fairly specific way on how you and I can go through life when it comes to things. We actually actually have the ability to ask the Lord for what we need. That seems so simple. Most are like, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. I do that all the time. But, but, but really, not just in understanding here, but like we truly can go to the Lord with these things. In fact, what we see from the psalmist here is, is profound and beautiful is that he's, he's literally putting all of the work out from himself onto the Lord. He's saying, God, I need you to teach me your ways. And then the very next verse is, make me understand your ways. He doesn't say, God, teach me it. And then, okay, I'll take it from here. He doesn't say, God, lead me. And okay, well, but just for a little while, just Monday, you know, really Sunday. I, I got Monday through Friday. You don't need to lead me then. He puts everything out from himself and on to the Lord. And that may seem simple to us, and that may seem like it's obvious, but the reality is most of us don't do that. Most of us, when I, when I talked about the struggles that you have or the battles that you're going through, the, the wall that you keep hitting, or when you desire more faith or you're, you're wishing for more strength, it's all about what you can do. If I can just do these things, if I can do this set of series of things, well, then I will have the ability to do it. And really the issue that we have, the biggest struggle that we have when it comes to this is because of our belief in who God is. See, what we can say pretty confidently, like I've told you before, that some scholars argue that the psalmist loves the word of God more than he loves God because of the way that he speaks about it. We know that that's not true. We know that it's because of his love for the Lord, which is brings out and draws his love for his word. But what we see is that this psalmist is absolutely confident that for anything to change in his life, for anything to change at all, it must be presented on your hands and knees before the Lord and asking him to do it and not us. 
See, the first problem is that I don't know if we all believe that he would actually do it. Some of you, 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 you you've been believing the lie that he's not capable of doing it. Maybe like we said last week, your circumstances have been lasting for so long that you've stopped clinging to the Lord. And so now you, you, you wrestle with, well, he, will he really teach me? I've been asking him to teach me, but I just, I don't see clearly in this. I hope some of you, I hope some of you were woken up this last week, like I challenged you. I hope that you were woken up in the middle of the night and you actually spent some time with the Lord. I hope that some of you scheduled time for that. And I hope that God spoke to you in an amazing way. But the reality is, is a lot of us, we don't believe, we don't believe this thing. We don't say, Lord, teach me your way, your statutes, so that I can keep them to the end. We say, oh, no, no, I learned that. I've been in church for a while, so I know it. I don't need to know it anymore. And then we, we, we just kind of go our own way. We don't, we don't ask the Lord willingly to give us understanding so that we may keep it and observe it with our whole heart. Most of the time, it's like, oh, I don't like the way that sounds, so I'm going to make my own understanding because it's a little bit easier for me to palate. The first problem with you and I and our struggles is that we don't really believe that God is going to show up, that God is going to teach us. The word incline literally means to bend, to bend, incline my heart, bend my heart back to you, not towards selfish gain. He puts it all back on the Lord. Everything is before the Lord, and this is where we struggle because we're going, well, wait, but, but you gotta give me something to do, Bren. Give me something to do so that I can walk in the way that I'm supposed to. It's all here. It's all here. It's in his word. It's in his law, which is the second problem that we run into, is that maybe if we can get to a spot of saying, okay, Lord, I recognize that I need to be on my hands and knees before you way more than I need to be walking confidently in place. Although I can walk in confidence because of who you are. I need your strength. I need your ability. I need you to teach me. I need you to bend my heart because my heart keeps going back to selfishness. We can get there. The second part of this, and this is, this is key, is that the answers to what we're asking are here. They're in his word. And the problem, the second problem that most of us have is that we, we want to utter things like, oh, Lord, lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in them. But then we open his word and we're like, ugh, I don't want to read this. We desire to delight in them, but then when it confronts us with something that we're doing and we're supposed to live our lives in a specific way, we're like, ooh, let's just call this one a cultural thing and just wash it over. Let's just, let's just go ahead and minimize the, the truth of that and let's find a way around it. Let's, let's poke on the Greek and Hebrew and see if we can put some holes in it to make some more confidence in ourselves, not aligning ourselves to it. See, again, it, it may sound oversimplified, but the reason why we keep hitting walls and the reason why we keep struggling and the reason why we keep battling is because we aren't truly submitting or surrendering ourselves to him being the solution. We aren't surrendering to saying, I have nothing. Now look, I, I get this. I get this. This is such a fine line. The scriptures do call us to do stuff. He commands us to obey him. We see that God, Jesus says that if you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have remained in my father's love. Like, we see that there's actual things to be doing. But just to poke and push on us a little bit, do you think it's your strength that gives you the ability to do them? The apostle Paul is tormented with a, a thorn in his flesh. And he's wrestling with, okay, I don't know why, but I, I keep, it's just driving me crazy. So he says that, I, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, and then he answered. In verse, uh, verse 12, 9 in 2 Corinthians. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient you, for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is, this is the most profound and beautiful declaration ever. So this is what the Lord says to him. My power is made, perf- is, is, made, is made beautifully, is perfect in your weakness, right? Then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Most of us would hear that and say, really, Jesus? That's great. You want to be strong, but can you remove the thorn in my flesh? It's kind of a pain. The Apostle Paul says, no, well, then I will, I will boast all the more in the fact that I want to be weaker. I want to be weakened even more. If it needs to be more than a thorn in the flesh, give me so that I can rest on your strength. The reason why we continue to wrestle and battle is, is two parts. One is we're, we're in that middle, right? We, we've, some of us have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but we still have these, these fleshly bodies that are, that are at war with that desire. And so, so some of it's that. But I really do believe that a lot of it is our unwillingness to submit it to the Lord. And some of you are like, no, 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 Brent, you don't know how long I've been battling with this addiction. I, you're right, I don't. And there are amazing tools that God has given us to help with addiction. But do you really believe, I mean really believe that you could, if it's the Lord's will, you could sit down on your hands and knees and plead for him to take it and he could take it from you. See, because if we trust the Lord and if we look at his scripture as truth, then we see those very instances happening. This is the third reason why we struggle with this. First one is that we don't necessarily always believe that God will do it. Second one is that we don't really fully believe this is truth. But the third one, and this is why I think the psalmist has so much confidence in what he says. Teach me and I'll do it forever. Lead lead me and I will follow. Bend my heart back so I don't have selfish gain. Take my eyes, turn my eyes away from unworthless things. That's most likely speaking to idols, but realistically I think we focus on a lot of unworthy things in this world. The reason why he does that is because of what he says in the very last verse and then what is all in stanza 18, the last eight verses we read. He says, behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. In your righteousness, give me life. And then we see it in verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You appointed your testimonies in righteousness. And then down a little bit further, 142. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me, but I found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. See, the reason why the psalmist has so much confidence in going before the Lord and less confidence in himself is because he recognizes something so profoundly true that all of us should know about the Lord is that he's righteous. That word righteous in Hebrew, it can come out two ways, justice or right, just or right. It's the same Hebrew word. And what, what we can understand from this is that, is that the psalmist is asking because he realizes that everything that God does, everything, it's not some, not oops, I forgot to look and I wasn't paying attention, it slipped out of control for a little bit, but every single thing that God has done is both right and just. I mean everything. And the reason why we struggle so much is because we don't believe that about God. We don't believe that he is truly righteous, that he is, he is right. It's not, and let me, let me make this really clear. We don't have enough time to define righteousness as a whole today, but righteousness isn't just how God acts. It's actually his character. He is righteous. He defines righteousness. He is incapable of doing anything not right. He is incapable of doing anything not just. And that is one of our biggest issues, is that when we come to the Lord, 
if we come to him in confidence that he can do something and we align ourselves to his scripture, we look at our present circumstances and we just assume it's not right. We assume the Lord messed up. He forgot. He was a little busy. It was a Monday. It was a long day. Had to deal so much with our in-laws. So he, you know, he only had so much time with us. I'm kidding. Sorry. We believe in our heart of hearts that he's not right. And the reason why I can say that is because when you are struggling with something, let's just say it's a relationship you're struggling with, and you can't be pure in it. You keep trying to be pure. And the, you, you believe that God can help you, and so you ask for strength, and you look at the scripture, and you can see the scriptures and what they talk about impurity in that. And then the Lord says, you know what? I think you need to end this relationship. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I love him, and I love her, and, and we are doing X, Y, and Z, and everything else. You then basically say that what God is calling you to is not right. And so you're saying, in essence, you're attacking his character and saying he's not righteous, which enables us to continue to struggle with the same walls over and over and over again because we assume what he does isn't right. We assume that it's not righteous forever like the scriptures tell us here. You and I would be way more confident to ask of the Lord, like the psalmist, if we truly believe that not only is his scripture truth, what he's guiding us, but that he is truly righteous. He is truly just and good, and right, and everything he does is right. And the plans that you have, that he has for your life, are right. It may mean that you get walking through some really difficult times. And you may at times feel like the wheels are coming off, and it's just, there's a turn coming, and I'm not sure I'm gonna make it if I go off that cliff, but if God's in it, it's right. And he may take you as, like, all the way off the ledge just to grab you and say, ha, see, I'm here. He may let that go all the way down. So we have to trust that he is righteous. And this is how you and I can get past these addictions and these struggles and all these things. It's not a seven step. Here's the 800 things, although there's benefit to those things. I'm not saying that. But it's, it's truly recognizing that he is capable of taking it from us, that he desires to do good, to bring glory to himself through the way he interacts with us, and that his scriptures are truth. We began this at the very beginning, and I said, I want you so badly to fall in love with the scriptures. I want you so badly to fall in love with the scriptures. I, I realized that as I look at this more and more, I, I really think that I, I, I want you to fall madly in love with the Lord because you cannot separate those. I don't see those separated in scripture and I don't see those separated just in experience. If you are madly in love with the Lord, you're like, God, speak to me, show me more. I want more of this. If you're in love with the Lord, setting an alarm clock like I challenged you last week to wake up in the middle of the night and spend time in his word is actually really enjoyable. Maybe hard. Maybe difficult, but it's a delight. The band's gonna come and we're gonna worship some more. But as we do, I, I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you on a number of things. One is, do you truly believe that he is capable of doing what he says he is? And if you don't believe that, is it, is it an attack on his character? Are you not recognizing him in his full character? Or is it that you just really don't believe that this is truth? We have to be very careful because I think a lot of us we come at this as students. We come at the scriptures as students, but we posture ourselves very closely to pride. We look at this and say, well, I just don't think, it doesn't make sense that it says this. And so we, we, we start justifying away as opposed to asking the Lord to teach us and to help us to understand. In fact, it's interesting that one of the things that he says in here is he says that in verse 141, I think this is the biggest other hindrance to us asking the Lord is verse 141. He says, I'm small and despised is a proper understanding of who we are. Compared to God and his righteousness, I am small. I am small. I am, in, I am insignificant, yet most profoundly significant because he is 
declared me a co-heir with Christ. He has declared me a child of God. So my insignificance isn't in, in my value, because my value, he's, he's shown just how valuable I am through the love of Jesus Christ, amen? But my insignificance and my smallness is recognizing that apart from him, I offer nothing. Apart from him, I am incapable of doing anything. And so as we sing, I challenge you, I encourage you. Maybe it's, it's time to repent. Maybe it is. It's time to say, Lord, I am not declaring I'm small. Instead, I have, I have declared I'm big. And I need, you to, I need you to break me down into smallness. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's recognizing that we have believed the lie that he isn't capable of doing what he says he actually will do. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's, it's the first time declaring that he's Lord. That you recognize that there is no way you will work up and create enough steps and do enough, muster enough inner strength to achieve what you believe is true and good without the Holy Spirit inside of you that he gives us through surrendering to Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, I would encourage you, I would challenge you. I know that kids are in here and this is good, but I would encourage you to, to pray. Maybe you need to pray with one another. Maybe you need to, to just sit in quietness. Maybe you need to repent to the Lord. Maybe for some of you, when I just glossed over the small, the pride one, you realize just how much pride you have. And you need to ask God to break you from the pride and help you understand how to walk in humility. Because it's one thing for him to acknowledge the pride in you. It's another thing for us to acknowledge that he does not desire for us to keep that. I made this joke in the, in the first service. I said that a lot of us carry these sins around like, our, like college debt, right? Like our student loans. Just something that we're supposed to carry the rest of our life. Just, just to keep playing on it. Hopefully, we'll, make, hopefully we'll, we'll get somewhere sooner or later. That does not have to be true for either, really, in all honesty, but that's another subject, okay? <laughs> that's not true. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, I ask right now specifically I pray for the kids in here. God, I pray that they would be, they would never know a day where they aren't profoundly amazed at how huge and big you are. I pray that the world would not break from them the, the marvelous and majestic and, and, and beauty of your character, God. God, I pray for, for the individuals in here that are, are wrestling with something, struggling with something, and they keep trying to do it on their own strength. God, I pray that you would bring them peace by resting in the fact that you can and will take from them that which is not lined to your word or to your character. You love your children, God, and you say that you know how to give good gifts. And so, God, we trust not our ability to work through it. We trust your character. We trust your character and your truth. When we, when we struggle to see the promises, God, we trust your character. And so, God, for, for everyone in here, I pray that you would bring us to a spot of humility where we can rest before you recognizing that you are good and you are right and whatever you're calling us to, despite the circumstances or the, the consequences or the things that we may not like to see, is still good and right and just. And God, we may not be able to do anything but what your will calls us to do. God, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for trying to do it on our own. Lord, I, I, I pray boldly that you would humble us, break us down, even if that means a very difficult time, even if that means that we're going to struggle for a while. God, I pray that you would humble us. And I pray that you'd show us in that humbling that you are still good and just and right. God, I pray for every single individual in here, whether they're young or old, I pray that you'd make much of your son, Jesus Christ, through our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.